Welcome to the Mount Olive Baptist Church podcast. I'm Pastor Carl Stokes, and we appreciate you being here today with us. Our desire is to preach the Word of God effectively and clearly so that you can understand God's desire for you in your life. 1 John chapter 3 this evening. We've been looking systematically at the book of 1 John. Why? Because it primarily tells us how to live our life as Christians. Uh, It's a classic uh, book of the Bible that is a good source and a good guide of how we should live. John here, as I've been telling you for the last several weeks, is dealing with a group of people that have gotten their teaching off in terms of how they should live their life. Uh, John uh, helped establish this uh, particular church or series of churches, and they have been infiltrated by those who want to claim that either one of two things, either one uh, that Jesus is uh, purely divine and therefore not uh, human at all, he, uh, that he basically uh, appeared as a spirit without body, that he did not uh, live as a human being and did not live with the same temptations, the same limitations, the same uh, struggles and troubles that we face. There are people who want to claim that even to this day, that Jesus was purely divine. Then there was also another group of people that claimed that Jesus was the complete opposite, that He was purely human and not divine at all, and that uh, He was not uh, divine in any sense. There are still people to this day also that teach that Jesus was just a good man, a prophet, a, a teacher, that it was not until hundred years, hundreds of years later after Jesus lived and died and, and was no more that the church began to assign divinity to Him as a result of a church forming around His teaching and that He, was, he never saw Himself as divine, never saw Himself as the Son of God. Uh, they claim, well, he, he calls Himself the Son of Man throughout all of Scripture. How are we supposed to take it that He sees Himself as God? Uh, that's their claim. They see that and they misunderstand what Jesus is saying and misunderstand the Scriptures to, and take it to mean that Jesus did not see Himself as the Son of God. We, of course, believe that uh, Jesus Christ is fully divine and fully human. And uh, John is trying to help this church to get back on track in terms of understanding that, yes, Jesus was fully divine, but He was also fully human, and to understand the significance of that and why it's important and how it impacts our lives and how we have to live our lives uh, as children of God and and that Jesus Christ uh, lived uh, the perfect life so that He might be the sacrifice for us and that we might have a Savior in Jesus Christ. And so uh, we come now to this next section of Scripture in John, and it signifies a beginning of a new uh, set of teaching of John. John, uh, from the very beginning, as I've told you, uh, is setting out a clear 
guide as to what it looks like to be a child of God, that we have to live in Christ, that we have to live in the light, that Jesus Christ is, is the light, and that we have to live in the light, and that we have to renounce sin, that we have to live apart from the world, that we have to live uh, a life that is uh, full of faith. And so John here begins a new section of Scripture looking at uh, verse 1. It says, Beloved, what manner of love the Father hath bestowed upon us that we should be called the sons of God. Therefore the world knoweth us not, because it knew him not. Beloved, now are we the sons of God, and it doth not yet appear that we shall be. But we know that when he shall appear, we shall be like him, for we shall see him as he is. And every man that hath this hope in him purifieth himself, even as he is pure. Whosoever committeth sin... And this is the, the, the crux of what we're going to look at beginning in verse 4. He says, uh, up till verse 4, he's saying, listen, our, God, our goal is, is that we should live like Christ, that we should live as children of God. And if we take the teaching that I've given you in the first two chapters of John, First uh, John, to heart, and you understand and know that you need to live uh, as a child of God, how do you do that? How, what, do you, what do you need to do? What is it that you have to do? He says, now that you know that you need to live as a child of God, this is what a child of God living uh, in the light looks like. He says, first four, whosoever commit a sin transgress also the law, for the sin is the transgression of the law. And you know that he was manifest to take away our sins, and in him is no sin. Whosoever abideth in him sinneth not, and whosoever sinneth hath not seen him, neither know him. Little children, let no man deceive you that he that doeth righteousness is righteous, even as he is righteous. And he that committeth sin is of the devil, for the devil sinneth from the beginning. For this purpose the Son of God was manifest, that he might destroy the works of the devil. Whosoever is born of God doth not commit sin, for his seed remaineth in him, and he cannot sin, because he is born of God. So he says, if you are a Christian, here's the first step. The first step at the beginning of 1 John was to renounce sin. John now says, live without sin. If you want to be a child of God, if you are a child of God, if you do have God within you, if you are a son of God, if you are a child of God, he says... Uh, we are sons of God, he says, if, if we are a part of the faith, if we call ourselves Christian, he said, whosoever committeth sin transgresses of the law. He says, we need to live without sin. He said, and he establishes this by talking about what sin is. He says, sin is a transgression of the law, and we ought not to have anything to do with that. Now, we all understand and know that sin is wrong. We all know and understand that we do sin. It's established in uh, the first part of 1 John and back in the first and second chapters. It, it, it establishes the fact that even as a child of God, even if we do walk in the light, that we will sin. So what is he saying here? How is this different? He says if we uh, want to be a child of God and we renounce sin in our life, 
Then in uh, chapter 3, he's saying, as a child of God, and we have renounced sin, then we live without sin in our life. That is the focus of this section. And he says, sin is a transgression of the law. And he says it's more than just simply the fact that we understand and know that sin is wrong. I mean, you can be a little child of three or four years old and understand that when you do something wrong, you are not doing the right thing. You understand that if mommy says you cannot have that cookie and you wait until mommy has her back turned to you or is out of the room and you sneak over and you get the cookie anyway, you know you've done wrong. That is an understanding and knowing of, uh, of right and wrong. We have from the very uh, very young age, six, seven years old, however old it might be, uh, it's different for, for everybody. We have an idea and understanding that sin is wrong in our life. And John is saying that sin is more than just do it, knowing what is right and wrong. Sin is knowing more than what is... As a Christian, you know that committing adultery is, is a sin, right? I mean, we all know that. You know that... Uh, you pick anything else. Uh, cursing someone is a sin. Jesus uh, told us that it goes beyond just simply the act of doing these things. He also said to us in the Gospels that that just simply lusting in our heart after someone is, is as wrong as committing adultery. And... Uh, Saying a bad name towards our brother is, is tantamount to committing murder. If we have those intentions and those desires within our heart, then it's as if we've already done it in the flesh, already done it as a sin in our life. And so Jesus was calling us to a higher standard of doing more than just simply abstaining. It's, it's not enough not just to say the word. It, you have to also not... How, how I put it is, don't even think the word. Don't even allow the word to be a part of your lexicon. Don't allow... It, it's more than just cutting yourself off before you say a curse word. I've known some people that... There was a guy that, that I knew in, in college. He was working in the library where I was working, doing work study, and, and he was studying to go into the ministry, and he was uh, a senior. I think he was a little older than, than normal seniors, like he had started school late. I, I, my memory of him is not as fresh as it, as, in terms of age. When you're young, Everybody older than you is old, you know? So I don't know exactly how old he was. But anyway, he was further along than I was. He was starting to learn uh, Greek because he was going to go to seminary and he understood and knew that that he had... Everybody that learns... Uh, when, you go, when I went to seminary, everybody had to take Greek and Hebrew. It was just part of the program. You just had to take it. Now you can get your uh, degree without learning languages. But uh, at that time, everybody had to learn Greek and Hebrew. And before you started taking Greek, you had to take what's known as baby Greek. And baby Greek was, was very elementary, introductory Greek that you didn't get credit for. You, didn't, you had to take it so that you could then take the Greek that counted. 
Okay, and uh, that's why they called it baby Greek because it was very fundamental Greek, uh, learning the the alphabet, learning uh, conjugations, that kind of thing. And he was starting to learn that while he was in college because he understood and knew that he had to learn it on his own in seminary. And so he would. Uh, none of that matters anyway. I, uh, uh, he was sitting there, and it was obviously somebody that was further along than I was. But I, I took issue with the fact that if he messed up at his work and when he was trying to fix something and he messed up or or he stubbed his toe or whatever he would say something that was in the place of a curse word he would say something that i had no idea what it was but he it was like a curse word substitute and uh there's a difference when when you're trying to cut uh sugar out of your diet you can take sugar out and put a sugar substitute substitute like stevia or uh saccharin or or uh splendor or whatever you want to in there and it tastes sweet but you know it's not sugar it's a it's a difference but there's a difference between doing that and taking a curse word out putting another word in and supplementing it as a curse word in my opinion it was just as bad as saying the curse word he might not have said the four letter word that he was wanting to say there but he was saying another word that in his opinion was the same. I mean, it'd be like if you were taking French or if you were taking Spanish or if you're taking sign language and you wanted to say a curse word, you said it in that language. In other languages, it's just as bad as saying it, in my opinion. Well, we've got to understand that sin is more than just understanding and knowing that sin's wrong. We've got to eliminate it completely out of our life. You can't just simply substitute something else for it. You can't just simply have come to a point where you realize that it's sin and you do something a little not quite as bad, but you didn't sin. Uh, Jesus was trying to explain that to us in the gospel, saying that you can't just simply uh, replace another word in your heart. You've already committed that sin because you've you felt that way in your heart. Because Jesus understood and knew that it was in your heart that that's where sin begins. And if you allow sin to to exist within your heart, then eventually it will come out in your person, in your body, in your voice, in the things that you say, whatever. John here is going even further. We can't have sin in our life period why john says because sin is lawlessness well okay yes sin is going against god's law but what he's saying here is no he is saying in essence he's saying sin is a rebellion against god like satan rebelled against god and was thrown out of heaven Sin is our rebellion against God. You say, well, wait, 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 wait a minute, preacher. All I'm doing is every once in a while I have sin in my life. That's not the kind of sin uh, John is talking about. There is a sin that every once in a while pops up in our life that we can't always guard against That that is something that... that happens in the passion of the moment or is something that we we can't 
defend against or even if we do seek to have God's Word in our life and continue to pray that God will keep us from sin that occasionally comes into our life, what John here is talking about is that that little thing that we like to call our pet sin. You know, we all have that little pet sin that we like to keep around. We know it's wrong. We know we shouldn't do it. We know it's, it, it's contrary to God's desire for our life. But we keep it around anyway. Oh yeah, when we, when we sin in, the, in doing that, we ask for forgiveness from God. We say, God, please forgive me. I, I'm repenting of that. I'm turning my back to it. I don't want it a part of my life. But... Uh, Sure as you know, a week later we're doing the same thing again. John says that's rebellion against God because we know it's sin and we're still allowing it to stick around. We're still allowing it to be a part of our life. We're still allowing it to, to, to stay within us. And John says, you can't simply be someone who claims to be a Christian and continue in a sinful lifestyle. You can't be a Christian and continue to, uh, you know, I have a, uh, you, you might say, uh, if, you, if you say to me, preacher, I'm sorry, but I, I've just got a compulsion about me. I, every once in a while, whenever I go into a store, I have a hard time with not picking up something that doesn't belong to me and taking it home with me. And, shop, uh, you know, uh, you and I call that shoplifting. Uh, well, yeah, I, I, I do that sometimes, but it's a compulsion. I can't help it. I know I shouldn't do it. Well, does it make it any less wrong? No. It's still breaking the law. Why? Because you've taken something that belongs to someone else, not your property, and you've claimed it as your own property, and you've walked out and taken it from someone else without paying it for it. What's that called? Called stealing. Right? Right? And depending on the, the value of it, a felony. <laughs> you, know, you know, if it's worth a lot, you know, if it's a gold bracelet or if it's a diamond studded uh, bracelet, guess what? It's a felony uh, because of the value being so much more than just simply a toothpick uh, or a pencil or a pen from the bank. It's still stealing, but it, 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 there's a severity that goes with it the more it increases. Anyway, John here says all of that, if we don't address it, if we don't address that sin, we don't call it out, we don't eliminate it from our life, it's not enough just to renounce the sin. We've got to get rid of it completely. Okay. We understand that. We know that. But why do we allow that to continue in our life? We understand that we can't have sin in our life. Preacher, it sounds like you're talking about uh, trying to make yourself righteous on your own. No. You see, I know that it's not possible for myself. I know I am not able to resist sin on my own. You've got to call on God. You call, you call on, on uh, God to help you to mature, to, to turn your back on sin, to wash you completely and turn away from your transgression. But to simply say, okay, I understand, I know I sin, and just live your life 
continuing in that sin without any regard. Well, I've got... It's just like, you know, Paul was talking about, hey, uh, we have grace. Do we continue to sin so that we have even more grace? That we might uh, continue to ask God for greater and greater amounts of grace? Do we continue in our sin? No, heaven forbid. We don't do that. We, We seek to... We know we have grace to cover our sin, but we ought not to uh, enjoy continuing to live in our sin. We ought to know and understand that it's sin. You don't get married and fall in, you'd fall in love, get married to someone, uh, say the vows uh, before, before the altar of God and, and uh, testify your love and go on vac- uh, go on. Uh, honeymoon with your new spouse and and make a home and all that and then all of a sudden uh, say hey I'm going to go out on a, on a date with this uh, girl that I met down the street well wait a minute we're married well yeah but I just have this habit of, of meeting new people and and I just want to go out and have fun and, and oh no we we say no that's wrong you can't do that you got to Change your life. You're not the same person you used to be. Now you're married. That's a a purely physical thing. Why is it that we have a hard time with the spiritual thing? We are a new creation. Old things are passed away. All All things are new. When Jesus comes into our life, we're a new creation of God. He gives us the power over sin in our life through salvation. We are redeemed and uh, we are made righteous through the blood of Jesus Christ. We have the victory over sin. The problem is is that we continue to live as though we're still slaves to sin. We continue to... It's... You know, they they say, I don't know if it's true, now they're starting to say it's not true, but uh, they say that if you have a goldfish that has lived in a bowl uh, for years, going round, 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 round. I used to have goldfish in my dorm room in college, and I quit because I kept killing the, the goldfish. <laughs> I found out that you had to change the water every once in a while. I didn't realize that at first, so I got an aquarium that had a filter that 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 filtered the water, and I didn't have to change it so often. Anyway, um, uh, that was just more headache. <laughs> I should have stuck with the little bowl. But at first, I had just a little bowl uh, on my dresser, on my desk, whatever, and the little fish swam around. It was a little distraction while I was studying every once in a while, uh, while I was thinking. And if you take that goldfish and it's been in a bowl and it's been going around, around, around in a circle for years, just going around, around in a circle, I'm told that if you put that goldfish into a pond, it'll die. No, it'll, it, it most likely will die. But uh, anyway, if you put that goldfish in a pond and it lives 
that the goldfish will continue to go in a little circle because it's so used to living in a circle that it doesn't know that it has this big old pond that it can go in and that, it, it, that it'll continue to go in a circle. I don't know if that's true or not. But it's a good example of how we live as Christians a lot of times. As Christians, we, as, as people, we live in sin and Jesus comes and liberates us from sin, gives us the victory over sin, allows us to have freedom of that sin, takes the shackles of sin off of us. Is that enough metaphors to tell you what it means to be given the freedom of, over the, our sin? God delivers us from our sin and yet we still live as though we're still shackled to that sin. We still live as though we're enslaved to that sin, as though we're continuing to go round, round, round in the same circle, and yet God's given us the victory. And John says we've got to do more than just simply renounce sin. We've got to live without sin. Live without sin. Whosoever committed sin transgresses the law, also the law, for sin is a transgression from the law. He says, this is why you should live without sin. It is rebellion against God. And you know that He was manifest to take away... His second reason why. Not only uh, are you... Um, in rebellion against God if you continue in your sin, but he says, Jesus came to take away our sins. And in Him there is no sin. The whole reason Jesus came was to, de de was to destroy sin and to eliminate sin. And, and, and when we continue to sin, we're destroying the work that Jesus has done. Jesus was manifest in order that we might have sin eliminated from our life. And yet when we continue to sin, we are transgressing the law and we are continuing in sin. And you know that he was, uh, uh, whosoever abideth in him sinneth not. Je uh, he says in verse 6, if you are a child of God, if you are a son of God, if you really are, not only do you renounce sin, but you do not sin. And whosoever sinneth hath not seen him, neither knoweth him. And he says, basically, if you continue to rebel against God and continue it by continuing in your sin, then you don't have Jesus in your life. He's not there. Why? Because you ought not to have sin in your life. Why? Because you have Jesus in your life. You've eliminated that sin in your life through the power and the blood of Jesus Christ and now you're allowing that sin to come back into your life after He's already deleted that sin from your life, eliminated that sin from your life. Little children, let no man deceive you. He that doeth righteousness is righteous even as he is righteous. And he that committeth sin is of the devil, for the devil sinneth from the beginning. For this purpose the Son of God was manifest that He might destroy the works of the devil." And whosoever is born of God doth not commit sin, for he, his seed remaineth in him, and he cannot sin because he is born of God. So John says we ought not to sin because we are born of God. If we sin, then we are of the devil. We don't have God in our life. We don't have Jesus in our life. But if we do have Jesus in our life, we ought not to sin. We ought not to have sin in our life. Now, there's a lot of debate, a lot of problem with for some people when it comes to this verse. 
For some people, they take this verse and, and they want to claim that once they become a Christian, then everything they do is not a sin. That's not what this verse is saying. They want to say, no matter what I do, I can, I can flirt with every girl. I can, I can go and, and, and cheat on my wife. I can go and curse and all this stuff. I can steal all the money I want. I can uh, uh, hate uh, all these people. I can be a racist. And, and yet, hey, I'm not sinning. God, the Bible tells me I'm, I'm a child of God. I, I'm not sinning. Nope, that's not what it's saying. What it's saying is, is you ought not to have sin in your life. If you are truly a son of God, if you are truly a child of God, you ought to have the characteristics of a, a son of God. The son of God was without sin, so your characteristic in your life should be that you are progressing more and more and more to be like Jesus. So you are less and less and less apt to sin in your life because you are taking more and more of the characteristic of Jesus Christ into your life. John already said, like I said, John already said at the beginning that he knows that we sin from time to time. But it should be a rarity in your life. As a Christian, you ought to have uh, that sin ought to be something that you don't deal with on a minute by minute basis, but more like a uh, less and less frequent basis, particularly the same sin. And what he's talking about is the same sin that through Jesus Christ you ought to have victory over sin. And if you don't, you're not turning that victory over to Jesus Christ. The problem is, is that we're, we try and act as if God tells us that we have victory over sin. We're trying to act as if we're the ones that are supposed to bring the victory. Jesus brings the victory over sin. You already have the victory over sin, not because of what you've done, but because of what Jesus Christ has done, because of what God has done in your life. You ought not to worry about whether or not you have victory over sin because God's already given that to you. You have to claim that victory over sin in your life. You have to claim the victory over that, that sin in your life and avoid that sin but you have the power to allow that sin into your life again. But you, have to, you also have the power through Jesus Christ, through his, the victory that He's already given you, to denounce that sin in your life. Does that mean that you won't be tempted? Nope. Does that mean that you'll always live without sin? No. You're going to mess up. I'm going to mess up. We all mess up. But it ought to be a exception and not the rule. It ought to be something that you have the victory over in your life because of what God has done in you, not because of what you've done in God. Because what you've done in God is just simply to accept His gift. His gift to you is victory over, over sin, death, and the grave. And one day when we face Him face to face in perfection, we'll be completely 
in victory, victory over sin and eliminate, have sin eliminated in our life. Today, I am being victorious over sin as I allow Jesus Christ to live in me. Jesus gave me the victory over sin when I accepted Him as Lord and Savior into my life. I have three tenses of forgiveness of sin, dealing with sin. I was forgiven when I accepted Jesus into my life. I am being forgiven as I work towards living as in righteousness in Jesus Christ. And one day I'll have complete victory over sin when I meet Him face to face. When He makes His work in me complete when I see Him in victory in heaven. And that's what we need to remember. We're working towards what Christ has done. We li- we're living in phases. Just like uh, going through grades in school, we're getting closer and closer and closer. And like Miss Marie this, uh, week, uh, this past week, one day we'll graduate too. We'll graduate to being uh, complete in righteousness as we stand before Him. But right now, we're still working to get closer to Him. And so that's our desire. That's our goal. That's what John here is telling us, is that we need to be working towards that. And whosoever is born of God doesn't allow sin to control him. We don't remain in sin, but we remain in Jesus Christ. Because God lives in us and we're born of God. Let's pray. Dear Gracious Father, Lord, we just thank You and praise You for Your great love. And we praise You for the fact that You allow us to have that victory over sin in our life. Lord, help us to to grow more and more like You and help us to be more like Your Son each day as we work towards... Uh, live in the kind of life that you'd have us to live. In Jesus' name we pray. Amen.